0: They'll be called to the set in just a moment. Safe. Away, Freeman out well, a mighty roar. Leo Barry, you start. Top the hall, top goes in! Australia win! New world record! The She's
1: She's it! The winner
0: is... Cindy, Australia. Fantastic upset. Australian Samantha Stozer in straight sets is the champion of the United States Open. Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup.
2: It is our third edition of The Bench and we're going to talk about as much sport as we can in the time that we've got.
3: Which is an hour, Dave.
2: And I can't do it with a very elegant, ravishing, beautiful co-host, Bechdale. How are you going tonight?
3: What do you want? Dave, I've got a question for you. Yeah? On the way here, I was walking through the mall and I saw a man wearing a West Coast Eagles scarf. Oh, now, wow. Now, I have a question. What do you think is the time limit after your team wins the premiership on how long you can still wear merchandise wow. before you look like a loser? Okay,
2: okay. So I guess after the grand final's fine. You'll be still wearing yeah, a jumper. Fine. And I guess the club still holds some celebra- celebrations in the week after. I'm going to say a week max
3: yeah that i was the same a week max i would have thought the 24th of october which is what a month after too far mate also let it go
2: also um at what age do you stop wearing jumpers to the footy i always like like this discussion
3: oh i'm fine with it. i'm fine you're all for it yeah i'm fine with grown men wearing a footy jumper all women
2: okay i
3: like like when you see a man coming from work on a friday night in a business suit with a
2: Guernsey. So, you're a, a man in a footy jumper at the footy turns you on?
3: Yes. Oh, well, if wow. there's any That's of them f- listening, message what?
2: in. I didn't think we are that kind of show, but we're <laughs> turning into it very quickly. But, uh, business shirt underneath, or yeah. do you like some guns?
3: No, I like the business shirt. It's okay, like- okay. Sport at the front, business at the back.
2: Well, Bec hmm. Dell's dating uh, show is not on the run sheet, but it's taking over the intro.
3: Sorry, I just hijacked the whole thing.
2: Anyway, apart from uh, what's happening down the mall, um, big show, big show. Huge. What's been happening in the AFLW? It's huge, the draft so yesterday, much. and we've got Abby McKay on tonight, who is the first ever father-daughter. Is yes. Is that correct? Which I've got I that love. right. That's exciting. It's fantastic.
3: These are exciting times, Dave.
2: So her dad... Andrew uh, played 244 games for the Carlton Footy Club. He did indeed. That's exciting. Uh, the W League kicks off tomorrow. A huge W League because guess what, Beck? It precedes the World Cup next year in 2019. So it's a big season for people that want to get to that World Cup.
3: I love a World Cup.
2: Um, and our very own Katie Lambesky is our expert. Will give us a massive preview of the upcoming season. And Phillip Island.
3: Rum! Was Andrew, that any good?
2: Andrew Westercott joins us and he is the boss. He is the big honcho.
3: He is the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation. So we're going to learn all about a lot of sport tonight, Dave.
2: And if you want to get in touch with us, if you've got a question for us, we like to have random questions. Anything about sport that you want to know or you think that we might well, we might stump us, maybe.
3: Correct. Or you're a man who likes wearing a footy jumper over a business shirt, perhaps.
2: <laughs> 0427 JOY 949, or you can simply email us onair at joy.org.au.
3: AU, Dave. You know what it's time for, David?
2: Oh, what time is it, Beck? It's
3: time for the sports rap. I love this music.
2: I just like to listen to it.
3: Going to start, Dave.
2: Go on, tell me. I'm going
3: to start in the United States of America because you know what there are a lot of Aussies doing over there, Dave?
2: Basketballing. They are
3: playing in the NBA.
2: Yeah, we're caught side here at the NBA.
3: We certainly are. I'm going to stop that. Um, It didn't take long for Aussie superstar Ben Simmons to register his first triple double of the season, David. Do you know what that is?
2: Explain to the audience.
3: That is a double figure number in three (laughs) categories. Oh, I was doing so well.
2: You said to me pre-show so well. You explained it (laughs) so well. Anyway,
3: he had 13 points, 13 rebounds and 11 assists in Philadelphia's second game of the season, which was a win against the Chicago Bulls. Unfortunately, David, since then, he suffered back tightness, which forced him to leave the game against Orlando after seven minutes, and he didn't play today against Detroit.
2: You know who else
3: is playing, though? Tell me. Paddy Mills.
2: Oh, yeah? Our Paddy Mills?
3: Hit the... uh, Took the Spurs into an overtime victory against LeBron James and the LA Lakers, LeBron's new team.
2: Oh, I know. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh,
3: he contributed 12 points in the win, and our third Aussie...
2: Our local, Melbourne, I think he is.
3: Joey. Yes. Joey Ingles has gotten off to a flying start for Utah, scoring 22 and 27 points in the first two games of the season, including seven three-pointers against the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors. There was also the debuts of Ryan Brokoff for the Dallas Mavericks and Jonah Bolden for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, Dave, I had a bit of help with this. I'm not going to say it was Ben Simmons' girlfriend, Kylie Jenner, that helped me with that rap, but I'm not going to say it wasn't. (laughs)
2: Okay. You do with that what you will, Dave. Do you have uh, an NBA team that you follow? Do you get into the basketball over there? Yeah, the Cavs. The Cavs? Even with LeBron. No, no, LeBron. No,
3: LeBron. My favourite's Kevin Love. Oh, Number zero. I've got his jumper.
2: I'm a Pelicans man. New Orleans Pelicans with there Anthony go. Davis. Yeah. Hmm. Um, now, you gave us a bit of an update. It was on our debut show about the arrival of Usain Bolt to the A-League, which everybody thought was going to be the biggest thing in the world. And you've got some news for us. Is it well, happening? Yeah. Can we expect to see kids on the, the Central Coast wearing Bolt on their back?
3: Not so much, Dave. As we know, he uh, has a role with the Central Coast Mariners, and we discussed actually that day his lure of a lucrative deal deal from Malta. Oh,
2: that's where all the good footballers go, don't
3: they? They do. But, Dave, the chances of Usain playing in the A-League are all but over. He is set to knock back a contract with the Mariners that falls well below his asking price. Now, apparently the uh, Mariners want to pay him $150,000 or a bit less. You know what he wants, Dave?
2: $3 million.
3: $2.9 mil more oh, than that.
2: What wow. So,
3: you know... They put an ultimatum on him to accept the offer or end his trial period. I would have oh, thought, Wow. Usain might choose the coin over the Mariners.
2: That's amazing. I
3: know. But it leads me to an interesting point, which is you know, when they put big names into these competitions, they don't play to raise the profile. And I thought of when Israel Flower paid AFL, is another example. Um, do they actually have to be good? Like, I think the problem that A League has is yeah. you're saying it's actually not that good. No. So, does it matter how much publicity yeah, is going I to bring to the competition? No,
2: Palau wasn't that good either. No. What they need to have, they need to have big names, even at their end of the careers, because the A League brought down Italian legend Alessandro Del Piero numerous years ago, who had a great spell in the A-League. and he brought, could
3: play the game. He could
2: play the game. Mm. So, anyway...
3: Anyway, but that's been a bit my of con- uh, Usain Bolt watch for this week. Uh,
2: the round ball came with a bit of controversy. The A-League kicked off over the weekend, and I'm a big fan of the VAR. Now, if you don't know what the VAR is, it's the Video Assistant Referee. Now, if anybody watched the Socceroos over the World Cup, the VAR delivered us a couple of penalties. If you remember how the game sort of went yes. on and then they brought it in for review, and you know, Yedinac end up scoring a couple of penalties from it. But great. Period. there was a couple of little issues on the A-League over the weekend. And uh, Melbourne City actually got a penalty uh, against their rivals, Melbourne Victory. And it got brought to the VAR and they still gave the penalty. But really, it's starting to baffle a lot of fans watching the game, thinking, OK, well, we've got the chance to review it. We're seeing it on the screen. It doesn't look like a penalty to us, but the VAR is saying, it's a penalty.
3: Why can't we just trust the people that we play to adjudicate the game live on the field?
2: You know, that's not the trend in sport at the moment. Everybody <laughs> wants to have a video assistant referee. No. But the problem with the A-League is that in the NRL and the AFL, the fans can hear, you know, the commentary, the yeah. meet, the reviewing that's going on? Well, in the A-League, there's no... So the fans are just sitting there in the stadium thinking, what the hell is going on? Oh. Anyway, <sighs> um, hopefully it's resolved someday. Uh, Australian legend Mark Bosnich wants it gone right now. Bozza, Bozza out. Round before round two starts. Um, The cricketers, our women in Kuala uh, Lumpur. Clean sweep, 3-0 against Pakistan. Amazing. Um, Brilliant batting from Elisa Healy, a famous Australian name. Daughter of the wicketkeeper. Niece. I think, yeah. Oh, okay, we've been caught out, have we?
3: I'm going to check that fact, but I think I'm right.
2: And Ashley Gardner, who was player of the match, another superb display from the left arm spinner, Sophie Molyneux helped Australia steal an eighty-run, 89-run victory.
3: Good on them. They could give the boys a few suggestions but about cricket, perhaps
2: the men's team. It's very important that we're in winning form at the moment because the T20 World Cup is not far away.
3: Exactly. Now, Dave, big, exciting AFLW news. We had the draft yesterday. So your team, the Cats, are coming into the competition in 2019. I'm so excited. Now, they had the first pick, being the new team in, and they unsurprisingly selected Nina Morrison with their number one pick. She's a talented Geelong Falcons player and co-captain of Geelong Grammar. She played in a TAC Cup premiership with the Falcons this year and followed that up being named Vic Country's MVP in the Under-18 Championships.
2: You know what I love most about the recruit there? What? there's no go home factor we don't have to worry about the Tim Kelly saga that's happening yeah, that's right. because she's, there. she's from Geelong she's playing for Geelong she's gonna be at Geelong forever
3: go cats go cats
2: mm. um and speaking of the AFLW draft we've got a massive guest coming up next is Abby McKay who is
3: the very first father-daughter pick ever in the AFLW Exciting times playing for Carlton.
2: We've also got Katie Lambesky coming up to give us a W League preview. It's going to be a big season in the W League. I keep saying it, but it's going to be the biggest season to come. Yeah. And also we've got Andrew Westercott,
3: The CEO of the Australian Grand Prix.
2: Well, that's the sports wrap done.
3: You're listening to The Bench on Joy. <laughs> it is. John Joy with Dave and Beck and joining us on the line now is the Carlton Football Club's newest recruit and the first player to be recruited under the father-daughter rule after her father Andrew played 244 games for the club. Abby McKay, welcome to the bench.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much.
3: Now, you're a history maker this week, the first ever father-daughter selection in the competition. How does it feel to be, be that number one?
1: Yeah, it's such an honour. and holds so much significance. So, yeah, it's really cool.
2: Now, Abby, I'm assuming there was no choice for you growing up in the household that you did. But were you a Carlton fan growing up?
1: Yes, always a Carlton supporter. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'd have much choice. Who was your favourite player oh, when you were a kid? Was it your dad? Oh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'd have to say him, but I don't even remember him playing. To be honest, I'd just say Chris Judd. To be honest,
2: oh well, that's that's fair enough. That's a good call. Yeah, I and- don't
1: really remember him playing, so.
2: And at what age did you start to have a real major inter- interest in footy?
1: Um, well, I've always been a supporter, nothing like crazy. Um, but only in the past four or five years I've started playing, so i gotten more interested in it.
3: So were you playing other sports before you got into footy or, or footy was your first sort of competitive outlet?
1: Um, no, I played rep basketball for a bit and then I just played netball, tennis, just all locally. Nothing too crazy.
2: You seem like to be a gun in uh, multiple sports. Um, so what drew you to playing footy competitively?
1: Um, I think I started, like, with no expectations. So when I started playing and I realised, wow, this is actually awesome, you get to do so many different things in one game, that really drew me to it.
3: Now, Abby, you, you can... you. Um, I think you had quite a feat this week because you're on the back page of The Age and, and Winks has been the only person on the back page of The Age, I think, for the last few weeks. But um, there was a great picture of you and your dad. What sort of influence has he been on your footy and on your career?
1: Um, it has been my dad mostly. He, he obviously puts his input in here and there, but he tries to stay out of it a little bit just so I don't feel too um, pressured or anything like that.
2: And uh, comparing yourself to your dad, what part of the ground do you play and are there any similarities between yourself and your dad?
1: Uh, I think similarly we are quite hard at the ball, uh, but we're very different. I play in the midfield, he played in the back line, so different roles. But yeah, I think both hard at the ball, work hard, so I think that's probably what was similar.
3: Abby, you were All-Australian at the Under-18 Championships this year and and everything that I've heard is that the talent that came out of that Championships is even better than what we've seen at AFLW so far because the girls have had that uninterrupted pathway through footy um, that a lot of the older girls, I guess, didn't have. What do you think we've got to look forward to with the girls who are coming through the system
1: now? Yeah, I think, like, even at local level, like, when I started, there was only one girl team in the whole... Um, compet- uh, whole sorry, club, and now there's 10, so like more and more talent's just going to be coming in, and it's going to be getting better and better. And you know, a... before we know it, we're going to be just as good as the boys. Oh,
3: very quickly, I would suggest. <laughs> oh, that's
2: right. Yeah, now, has it, have you had the chance to speak with any of your teammates since being drafted?
1: Um, yeah, we had a little orientation day. Um yesterday, so that was good to get to know, but I played in the VFL obviously, so I got to know a few of them throughout that season, so that's really good to have a head start when you go in.
3: Have a lot of were a lot of the other girls that were drafted around you yesterday? were they girls that you play with in the VFL or do you know a lot of the competition that you're going up against?
1: Um, I do know most of them, all the under eighteen people that were getting drafted, I played at Adelaide um in the australian game and at Vic Metro I know most of the under-18 people, but the VFL players, I don't know them too well, apart from the Carlton girls, obviously. So, yeah, I knew most of them.
3: Well, I think it's going to be an interesting year at Carlton next year because there's a lot of changes. You've lost inaugural captain Lauren Arnell. You've got a new coach coming in, in Daniel Harford. Where do you see the Blues improving this year?
1: I think we're going to improve in all aspects of the game. Obviously, with Half coming in, he's, Brought a whole new atmosphere, I think, to the club from what I'm he- what I've heard anyway. So I think, yeah, all aspects, ability, talent, everything's just going to go up. So yeah.
2: Now we know Half's a bit of a light-hearted kind of guy. Has he? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Has he had a phone conversation with you? And, and if so, how did that go? Yeah,
1: we well we had an interview at the draft combine, so in person, which was so funny. We were laughing the whole time. <laughs> but yeah, I just love his approach to footy, and he makes it fun. So. That's the best thing about it.
3: And I think probably as a player, that's probably something you look for in a coach is someone, you know, gives you, gives you the hard work when you need to but keeps the enjoyment factor in, in the game.
1: Yeah, 100%. Obviously, yeah, they're there to do their job and make everyone the best football players they can be. But for that to happen, you need um, everyone to be enjoying it. So, yeah, he, he's good with that kind of stuff.
3: What do you think it's going to be like for you next year, you know, running out against against some of the biggest names we've got in AFLW? I mean, hopefully your own club, Bree Davey, will come back, but then playing against, you know, Katie Brennan, Mel Hickey, these kind of players that I'm sure you've, you've idolised as a younger player. What do you think it's going to be like actually running around on the same field as them?
1: Yeah, it'll be so surreal. Like, obviously, I've watched them play on TV the last few years, and it'll be so weird going out and, obviously... I'm um, bursting them. Ugh, I don't know. It was so weird.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're lucky Daisy Pierce is on maternity leave, so you won't
1: have to worry about, <laughs> about her. Lucky. Yeah, very lucky.
2: And now heading into the uh, the season, do, what, what, uh, what are your goals? What's your aspirations to get out of the season?
1: I think very short term, just get a game, work hard in pre-season and get a game. Hopefully, if I do get a game, play well and, yeah, make a name for myself.
3: When does pre-season start for the AFLW? When do you get cracking on training?
1: It's, I think, the 14th of November, mid-November. So not too far away. Yeah, no, not far away at all. Now, from my experience,
2: from my experiences from my very uh, mediocre career football <laughs> in football, <laughs> um, I used to hate the uh, the wet nights training, but I used to love playing. What's some of your favourite and also your worst parts of footy that you that, from your game?
1: Um, I think my favourite is obviously the team, the teammates and everything. Yeah, I love game day. Um, probably the worst thing is the ice, ice baths, to be honest.
2: <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. No, it wasn't that good to have the ice baths, but that would be. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. scary stuff.
3: Yeah, that sounds very unpleasant. Now, Abby, one last question for you. Have they given you your number yet?
1: Not yet. Soon to be decided. Surely you got a bit of
3: push to get Dad's number.
1: Yeah, there's rumours. I don't know. We'll it, soon find out. There's it, not a number five at the moment, so it's possible.
3: So you won't have to knock anyone out to get to it? You won't have to trip no. anyone over? No, definitely won't. Absolutely. Hopefully I get it. We'll see. <laughs> well, look, Abby, we're so excited for you to be, to be drafted and we're so excited to watch you running around the Blues this year and I, I really mm. hope it's a great year for them and we'll be keeping a firm eye on, on what you're up to. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for joining us, Abby.
1: Thank you.
2: That was Abby McKay, Abby McKay, the Carlton first father-daughter recruit, and we're going to be watching uh, very closely to see how that all pans out. I get
3: so jealous when I talk to footballers because I want to be one.
2: Oh. Like, I
3: think maybe I, a very unfit, uncoordinated 37-year-old, <laughs> could get drafted in the AFLW. Maybe.
2: I'd love to see you play footy. I, I reckon you'd be a very good motivator. You know, a couple goals down at three-quarter time, I reckon you could Come really on, rally in. Get around it. What would be your, coach, what would be your coaching philosophy?
3: I reckon I'd be light hearted yet firm. You know how I talk to you before we start the show? Yeah, like yeah. I'm light hearted. And
2: during the show, I think the audience yeah. know exactly who's boss here. Don't worry about that.
3: That'd um, be great.
2: Yeah, I would be okay. Really good. Yeah, okay, very interesting. I'll just yeah, just would you be a coach who would throw the magnets up in the air when you're a little bit couple goals down?
3: Oh yeah, I'd be like, go nuts, full forward, full back. <laughs> Hair. Shortest person on the ground, get in the rut, mix it up. I feel it like up. you'd
2: be a person that would rock up late as well to training and just, oh, sorry, I had a couple of things on. I've been at the hairdresser or something like that. Yeah, I would. That uh, is exactly what I would do. Anyway, coming up next is our very own W League preview and is with our very own W League expert, Katie Lambesky. Katie Lambeski. Soccer is upon us with the W League season starting tomorrow night. And to tell us more is our W League expert, Katie Limbeski. Welcome to the bench.
4: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, great to be here.
2: Now, Australia, is it soccer or is it football? Because that's what it, it troubles some of our audience, I think.
4: Uh, we're getting right into this straight away. You're yeah. going to get me lynched over Ooh, here. Oh, no. Terrible. No, Um. the answer is it's both. Okay. Um, I refer to it as both over different kind of ways like i used to be that kind of militant no it's football it's like that you know but everyone refers to it in different ways and of course when you have competition codes like afl nrl that's known as footy and football it can confuse you so i can see the point of people saying soccer because it kind of stands out a little bit more and that's what it's known as by most people so go for your life call
2: yeah, it whatever i just like. feel the true enthusiasts who love watching you know the european football um, Love it to be called football. I feel like football. they judge me. Yeah, it is. It but is. But
3: Katie's told me it's fine, so I'm going to call it soccer.
2: Okay, that's all right. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how excited are you for the upcoming W League season?
4: Oh, uh, massively! Uh, it's going to be a great season. Um, the quality should be fantastic. New broadcast deal is with which, which does matter heaps. It just gives it a whole different exposure, um, and of course you have got a Women's World Cup around the corner. So. Huge! Excited that the game is being raised every year, and uh,
2: it should be again this year. And you speak about the media exposure. What's changed this year? Is it is there a, a bigger broadcast deal? Is that what we're talking about? Correct. Um,
4: there is now the Thursday night special, the Thursday night special in Fox with Fox Sports, who will who will have every game, be it live on TV as well as streams. Um, Telstra has also gone into the action with My Football Live, which is really important as well. It's really, it's, what's interesting about this is not every game could be even seen last year like so you have these cracking games but with no one there to kind of you couldn't watch on tv you were you were limited to twitter you were limited to people at the ground so huge this is huge you can't be something if you can't see it and for young girls watching it's again that's huge for the game
3: and it's huge for the girls playing the standard is raised every year and it's so good for people to see it what's the following like of the w league in australia does it I mean, in terms of attendance and support, is it a game that needs a bigger profile to get more following or is it pretty healthy? Um, definitely. need You
4: can definitely give it a boost. I think it's a problem across the whole board in soccer
3: so well. It's not limited
4: specifically to W mm. League. Um, I would like to see more A-League fans get around the W League side of things. I understand with the curtain race, sometimes it can be an issue just a very long day. But, yeah, get around it. There needs to be a boost and... I guess the, the A League fans can start it. What better place to start from?
3: Well, and my observation I mean, being more of an AFL fan and having a, an interest and involvement in AFLW, is it seemed to me that AFLW sparked a bit more interest in professional women's sport generally. You know, you saw the sort of women's big bash take off, and I think there seems to be this undercurrent of better support for professional women's sport at the moment. It's
4: absolutely growing. You're right mm. about that. I mean, with AFLW, you tapped into. You know the Carlton's, the Collingwood's, who come with big membership followings, massive followings, as we know. Um, yeah, they, they've they've built off that very well. With cricket, you had BBL, which is re, which just skyrocketed, and it's kind of translated to the w, the WBBL, which Cricket Australia has done so well with growing. So, and the, you see the results. People are tuning into it. They love it. So, again, with the problem soccer faces is just there's not that much money in the game and there's only so much they can do the FFA can do I'm I'm talking about here so yeah the 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 bigger codes if you like have the advantage but again soccer soccer's starting to make up for it in in some ways. Now you're comparing
2: um the AFW, which is into its third season coming soon W League's into its 11th season so that's a you know a decade of soccer women's soccer here in Australia Where's it come from like how was this season coming compared to the early seasons of the W League?
4: I think you're just seeing a better... You're just seeing a better quality. You're seeing... The Matildas have helped in a massive way. The success of the Matildas, the quality, they're a genuine chance to win a World Cup and that's not something you can say for any of our men's teams and boys' teams right now. So it's... They've really led it, but at the same time, it hasn't quite been captured by FFA. By the FFA, there's been... They're just... I think it's, there's been opportunities squandered. And, but now you're seeing with Sam Kerr playing here, keeping Sam Kerr here, the we'll work up around the corner, the Matildas being massive stars in their own right, you're seeing, you can, hopefully you see that translate into more support in the stance this year.
2: And obviously you just mentioned Sam Kerr, who is probably our best player of all time, or definitely the best player currently. The signing of Sam Kerr to Perth Glory, what does that mean for the W League? Like Huge. Yeah, she's Huge. one of the best in the world.
4: Definitely, yep. definitely. Um, but look, FFA committed to her by paying, by using the marquee fund by, the, by Fox Sports. Of course, they've used that to invest in her. They've only ever done that for players like Tim Cahill, mm. Alessandro Del Piero. So that that should tell you mm. how they view her. And I'm sure yeah. she's impressed by that commitment as well. So I'm sure that sways her. Being in her hometown helps. Walk up around the corner as well. You want to keep it familiar as possible to have a smooth as possible kind of lead in.
2: But you're naming players like Tim Cahill and Del Piero, who, when they came to the A League, they're in the twilight of their careers. But Sam Kerr is quite the opposite, where she's actually in the peak of her career right now. Like yep. it's it's a huge signing for the W League. I'm looking forward. To, I'm on the Perth Glory now would officially. She,
3: would she have had lucrative offers from overseas clubs? Correct. Yeah. Europe,
4: uh, European clubs were into her. But again I think you got to go with what you know at the same time you've got to be and of course being a Perth girl being at home helps of course and yeah and I, I cannot but think the commitment that FFA have showed by put, by paying her outside of the cap or using that funds to her that is, that's a pretty big statement so thankfully she's here we get to see her this summer and
2: uh, I can't wait. Is, is it the World Cup preparations is that one of the, the, the reasons why she's playing in the WE
4: Yeah that, that'd definitely be part of it but yeah, she's been. She's look. She's been very loyal. She's had a lot of offers elsewhere. She's played in America, of course, and coming back over here now. So, very important for her, I think, just to just to be ready and to keep in that kind of good shape. And she's important for the Perth uh, for the Glories' uh, hopes for the W League this year.
2: Now, Sam Kerr's only. She's one of the I believe up to about thirty Matildas that are in the W League this year. Who's some of the other big names that uh, that draw us to the game?
4: I mean, I'm a huge Katrina Gorey fan. Um, fantastic midfielder for the Brisbane Roar. Did recommit at the start of this month, I believe it was. So had a season in America. So she's come back here. She's an elite midfielder. And to the, her playmaking quality, just to, to control games the way that she does, that helps unlock the rest of the girls in the Matildas. So she's vital for the Matildas, and she'll be uh, just as more vital for uh, Brisbane Roar this year.
2: Oh, wow. Um... We are talking soccer with our W League expert, Katie Lembesky about the upcoming W League season. Now, we've got to talk about our local team, the Melbourne Victory. Um, how are they looking? How are they shaping for the new season?
4: It's exciting, I think. Um, Christine Nanna a former... She did play for Victory a couple of years ago from 2014 onward. Um, quality player, quality midfielder that has returned to the club, provides vast experience, was playing for the Orlando Pride back in America this year, so she makes the move back here, which is really important. Uh, Natasha Dowie up front as the key striker um, will be will be provided will be providing goals and she'll be another key this year. It's, it's an exciting team. Emily Galnik, of course, making a forward who makes the switch from Brisbane Raw. Another key, quick kind of winger, kind of key key attacking midfielder type player as well who can cause a lot of damage. So really important. They've, they've structured up pretty well this year, the victory. So I expect them to hopefully push for finals. And um, Melina Ayres had a huge breakout season last year. What can we look forward to from her? Goals. <laughs> yeah, outstanding, outstanding young talent. For sure, right? And did score 43 goals in the NPL Women's this year. So she's coming off a very strong domestic season as well. Yeah, she's killed it. Played for South Melbourne this year. And uh, an outstanding record. Outstanding young player. 43 in in what? I think it was 20 games, I think. So that's what two a game yeah, outstanding wow. player, and you will see her. I think you'll see her mature even further, and you'll see her do even better this year.
2: And how did victory go last year? How did they, how, how they go?
4: In- did finish seventh. So, it, ever since the city came in and with the vast resources that the city football group has, and they did it properly, they fully invested in their women's team. Victory kind of stuttered, and it was they did struggle for a few years. But I think there's the sign that good times are coming back. They finished seventh last year, of course, and they want to improve on that. They'll really want to push forward, and I think this is the year to do
2: it. Now, the rivalry in the A League between those two clubs is quite uh, you know emotional at times. Is it the same in the W League? It
4: is, but to be honest, it was pretty one-sided for a few years because City took the league by storm. They've won everything in. In sight and yeah, it's been a, it's a interesting rivalry because you had a few players head across to Melbourne City at the start of its, at the start of its uh, run in the league. So there is definitely that, uh that, that kind of derby feel to it, definitely. And what can we expect from City this year? Uh, more of the same. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be quality again this year. Um, Have added some more class talent. Really are looking strong again. I'll I back them in. I mean they had they started a few times last year, but they came good when it mattered most and won the and won the championship. So, again, you can't rule them out at all. I expect them to be there or thereabouts come season's end.
2: Now they were the champions last year, uh, a lot on the back of Jess Fishlock, who's not going to be here in the upcoming season. Um, how do they replace her?
4: Ooh, that's that's a tough one. And the, the answer is you probably don't. You you more. Look to a system. You more look to people like Elise Cullen Knight, who's joined this club, uh, who's joined in the summer or no, just before, I think. But yeah, um, Kaya Simon as well, who's come to the league, come to them. So it'll be they'll you'll be relying on them. They'll be relying on them for goals and just that kind of stability. They're vast, they're vastly experienced. So you'll be relying on them. Again, you can't really look to any certain player because she's that good.
3: But yeah, you will back on City's processes to get the job done when they need to. Now, Katie. Clearly you're a soccer fan. I don't think we, we need to muck around there. And I'm one of those <laughs> traditional AFL fans that goes, oh, soccer, they don't kick any goals. Where's the fun? Help me ignite some passion, Katie. What am I missing about soccer?
4: Uh, you're, you're missing a lot. You're missing a traditional, you're missing that feel. There is a certain magic to soccer that you can't get elsewhere. I mean, such, class, such a class of players, such a, uh, you know, Again, it's just a magic thought that I can't quite describe. You just have to... And that's the tricky part. You know, you sometimes have to be born with it or it just comes naturally to you. But again, like, I just think... People just should get around it. People should stop being so judgmental. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm
2: with you on that. I'm going to apologise on behalf of the bench. My co-host here, just dissing the world game. <laughs> no,
3: I'm open to it. I'm getting oh. Katie to encourage my passion. <laughs>
2: now, <laughs> we've, had, we've, had, we've talked NBL in the, uh, in the previous episodes and we've committed to going to an NBL game. That's right. Now we're talking W League. Are we committing to going to a W oh, League game? For sure. Go? For
3: sure. Maybe I'll find my passion. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, you should be. Um, Katie, where did your love for soccer come from? Uh, It was mainly through
4: my dad and my uncles who had SBS on the TV. And soon enough, that passed down to me, being in that... um, immigrant kind of household, uh, yeah, it kind of it filters down to you. Either way, you don't have much of a choice, I don't oh, think, so...
2: Watching Lesmar on a Sunday was the re- part of Absolutely. my religion. <laughs> um, it, teams that you follow, teams that you love, players that you aspired to be or loved oh, watching?
4: Wow. Um, Man United were always... I took to them pretty quickly. They were, the, they were the team of my dad, the team of my uncles who supported them, so that kind of got passed down to me, and then come around 2002 world cup when you know obviously in Asia great time zone for Australia being 11 years old at the time it's kind of the perfect age I ended up watching Ronaldo Rivaldo and Ronaldinho in the in the world cup and win the world cup with Brazil that year and that to me that was just magic that kind of, I was hooked ever since then if I was to pinpoint an exact moment it's probably then but yeah just um I love it and uh, long may it continue
2: I knew there was some good in you. Being a Manchester United fan, I knew it. I knew there was a reason we wanted Katie on the show.
3: Well, one thing I did watch Katie was the World Cup and one of the things that struck me about that, that I wanted to ask you, being a woman who who I guess commentates on the game and comments on the game, was the treatment of Lucy Zelich during the World Cup and the criticism she copped for her accurate pronunciation of the players' names. And I just thought, what a disgrace, the treatment to her as as a woman and as a professional soccer commentator. and I just wondered from your position how you felt about that. Uh, I was
4: really just, I just hated to see it. Like just seeing that stuff hurled at it, never mind the fact that whether the question was whether she had them accurately or not, it was, oh, she's showing off. Mm. No, no, she's showing respect to the players. She's showing respect to the countries by putting in the time to actually learn their names and, Properly. And it's not, that's not an easy thing. No. Don't forget the fact also her workload got quadrupled within the space of a few days because Optus couldn't hold up their end of the bargain with the World Cup. And that puts a lot of strain on those working with SBS as well, including her. And to have that thrown at her unfairly is just so wrong. And I think those doing that, those posting those comments, those making those comments, grow up, yeah. learn, and yeah, get on board with this because well, she's really passionate for the game and she's a fantastic advocate.
2: Now, before we let you go, um, we've got to have you on record. Who is your tip for the W League? It's a tough th- one. I
4: hate doing these, but... We'd love to have her on record. because yeah. <laughs> You can replay this if I'm wrong. Yes, no, nice oh, we saying. will. Oh, definitely. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Um, I'm going to go with City. Um, oh. I just think they're, they're, they're just a strong professional unit and, yeah, I'll back him into... Again, the fall has to come sometime, but I don't think it's this season, so they'll win they'll win it in my opinion.
2: And the game to the game to watch this weekend?
4: Definitely the Sydney Derby. Thursday night Marconi Stadium sp- stand-alone fixture which really makes it interesting. You've got three Sydney, ex-Sydney FC players now pulling on the red and black of the Western Sydney Wanderers so look out for that that'll be fantastic to watch.
2: Well thanks so much for coming on. Are We are looking forward to the W League season. It's going to be one of the biggest seasons coming up. We've got the World Cup that follows it and we've got thirty up to 30 Matildas involved in the season who will be aspiring to go to that World Cup. Thanks so much Katie.
4: Thank you Sam for having me
2: whether you're listening to the bench on joy 94.9 you are listening
3: to the bench can the world's best motorcycle riders def- descend on Phillip Island including championship leader Mark Marquez and Italian superstar Valentino Rossi. Joining us on the line to tell us all about it is Australian Grand Prix Corporation CEO Andrew Westercott. Welcome to the bench Andrew
0: Thanks Beck. great to be with you and uh, yeah it's exciting times for uh, anyone who loves motorsport particularly um, motorbike racing
2: Now Andrew is this time of the year the most exciting or is it the most stressful for you?
0: Um, Dave, we've got uh, we run two events. We run Formula One at Mar- in March at Albert Park, and we run this so um, down at Phillip Island. And really, we've got about fifty people at the Grand Prix Corporation normally, and expands to about a hundred. It's like coming away on school camp and delivering a fantastic event in a rural location. So we're having a ball, and yes, it's stressful, but you don't work. Um, you don't work in events if you don't like a bit of stress and uh, pressure at particular times.
3: Well, Andrew, I mean, as the boss, how does the weekend look for you? Are you uh, schlepping it around in a in a marquee with a champagne? Are you down in the pits turning screws or something?
0: No, halfway between both, Beck. It's probably the uh, one of the only alcohol-free weeks I have all year, and it's. Um, but they're, they're long days. We get together and we're making sure that everything from the um, the circuit and its safety. Uh, um, certifications to the building of grandstands to VIP facilities. There's a lot on the operational side of things and engineering and infrastructure, but there's a heck of a lot of marketing and sales work that we're going to do, and, and that does include sponsors and it does include people from government. So a bit of everything uh, from a CEO side of things.
2: Now, for people who've never been down to the island for the big race, what can they expect?
0: Well, will tell you what, Dave. I, I hadn't been to a MotoGP event uh before I started working at the Grand Prix Corporation, what you can expect is to absolutely be blown away by something that is um, out of this world. Um, the riders across GP and two support categories called Moto2 and Moto3, they're getting up to speeds of 350 kilometres an hour. There's, there's action and a plenty on track and off track. There's lots of things to see and do for your family and friends. Um, it's easy to get down here about an hour and a half from the eastern suburbs or you can actually jump in a a coach and um, have a good time down here and not worry about driving because you can get a thing called a catcher coach. So um, they can have a great day out and it really should be one of those things you've you've got to do once in your life.
3: Andrew, what's your personal favourite thing about the MotoGP weekend? Is there a moment or an event
0: that that you really look forward to? Um, I think it's the the start line when at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon you've got, you know, 20 to 23 riders they're the fastest in the world the lights go out and they head down and accelerate to sort of 250 kilometers an hour off the line and there's a roar and everyone watches it as they go through this flowing circuit for the first four and a half kilometers before they come around for the first time and then um, there's a sense of relief and um, excitement for the achievement of, of the team and putting on a, a world championship event so uh, it's a bit of everything, but I think it culminates in the race on the Sunday afternoon, to be perfectly honest.
2: Yeah, of course. And and away from the track, what's some of the um, the entertainment the fans uh, can expect?
0: Well, there's a uh, a wonderful facility called the MotoGP Expo. Um, and if people love their motorbike racing or they just like riding motorbikes, then it's really sort of an expo for everything to buy uh, new bikes or gear and attire a or learn a little bit about some safety features or just... Um, other things that might uh, help your riding and it might even be sort of wireless transmitters to talk to your friends while you're, you're riding down and the campgrounds interestingly open up tomorrow morning and so if anyone did want to come down for the last minute, there's, uh, they can just bring a tent, come down and uh, we've got campgrounds available um, right on circuit. We probably have you know, three to 4,000 people camping and if they've got kids um, there's a thing called the Junior GP where they can get on the little motorbikes and go around hay bales and and have a bit of fun and not injure themselves. So something for everyone, really. What's so what's the age limit
2: there? Just for us <laughs> too, Beck. Uh, for Beck and I, uh, we're, we're interested in the junior GP. What's the uh, age bracket there?
0: Well, I reckon if you sort of. Uh you know, you'd probably get by, to be fair with me. <laughs> Excellent.
3: Excellent. We're talking with Andrew <laughs> Westercott, the CEO of Australian Grand Prix Corporation. Now, Andrew, to the race, we know Mark Marquez has sewn up the title for the season. Do you think there's a chance yep. for him to get a bit complacent and open the door for our Aussie Jack Miller to come through?
0: Well, I do, Beck. I do hope that that's the case because uh, I saw Jack Miller was um, having a hit up at uh, um, Melbourne Park today with uh, with Leighton Hewitt and, um, he led the race for the first three or four laps last year, but um, uh, finished in the top ten. I think it's about fifth or sixth. Now Jack can Jack can win on this circuit. He's got a very fast bike, and it's, it's a flowing circuit. But Mark Marquez is something special. He's um, he's up there with a guy called Valentino Rossi at the same age. When Rossi and him, well, Marquez is twenty five now, and um, they're both winning the same amount. They've won five world championships. So, look, it's likely to be Marquez. He won't be complacent. He's just going to go out there and race, and he loves racing. But uh, Jack Miller, great young Aussie guy from uh, Townsville, he's only 23 years old, so he's got a lot of uh, future years ahead of him oh, down in the island.
2: We hope so. We hope so. You mentioned the legend Valentino Rossi. Surely uh, a big win down in Philippine will be great for the uh, for the event.
0: Oh, I'll tell you what, if anyone's ever watched MotoGP on television, particularly at uh, Rossi's Italian circuits in um, um, Mugello, um, there's all this yellow, he's got a fluro, he's number 46 BR46 is his catch cry and i uh, tell you what he's won seven world championships he's leading the all-time number of victories and he's won it six times down at Phillip Island, which is the same as our own Casey Stoner and um, uh, the only thing is Casey won six in a row, so Valentino hasn't won this season if he's going to win anywhere, it'll be Phillip Island so he's, uh, he's a crowd favourite
3: How's the uh, health of MotoGP, Andrew? How's the popularity, both I guess, from a live audience and a television audience?
0: Uh, it's unbelievably strong, Beck. It's um, one of those one of those sports that's actually more popular in Europe, but particularly also in um, Asia, which is so important for our Australian markets. I mean, Indonesia has the highest um, uh, level of interest in MotoGP of any country in the world because you you know you don't need to pay. The uh, to sort of see what is it, about one and a half billion motorbikes, uh, and that's probably just in Jakarta alone. <laughs> so MotoGP is strong. Um, they've got a really, really competitive field. There's um, uncertainty in every race and unpredictability. And from a sporting point of view, we always like that level of unpredictability. And there's such a feeder series of young riders from Moto3 to Moto2. So it's in a very healthy shape, and it's here in Phillip Island until 2026.
2: Now, on the bench, we love to put our guests under a little bit of pressure here. Um,
0: right, go ahead, Dave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to have you on the record here. Who is going to win and who's going to be the runner-up?
0: Well, it's a bit like sort of if you don't know anything about racing and suggesting Winks is going to win the, <laughs> the Cox Plate. So um, it might sound a little bit um, predictable, but I do think that Marquez is going to win. Um, I think a... An English guy called Cal Crutchlow is going to be um, second, and I'm going to put uh, Jack Miller in the um, the top four or five.
2: Oh, we got to get Miller under the podium. We have got to get him there.
0: Well, let's let's put him. Let's go, um, Marquez, Crutchlow, Miller, and um, uh, Andrea De Vizioso, who rides this fantastic thing called a Ducati, is um, going to be edged out, um, and he'll be uh, he'll be fourth.
3: Well, we've we've etched that in the official bench records now, Andrew. So we'll uh, we'll come back and find you if you're wrong. Um,
0: are there t- and what do I, do? I hope I, will, I hope I get another interview for Formula One if I'm right.
3: Though.
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, you count yourself
3: in. in. Um, are there any tickets still available, Andrew? And how would I get some?
0: Well, it's um, there's lots of there's not lots of tickets because we've actually got sales that are um, much higher than last year, so we're in great shape. But um, whether you want a general admission ticket, um, a, a grandstand ticket for single day or across all three, or um, a couple of VIP tickets around the place, then what you do is you go onto motogp.com.au, and in fact, um, you can get down here on your motorbike, you can come down catch a coach, you can drive the, the family car um, with your mates or whoever, or um, some people even come down by chopper, wow. um, which is a pretty luxurious way to do it, but I'll tell you what...
2: Maybe Bronwyn Bishop, Maybe. You
0: know, <laughs> yes I think it's about 25 minutes from um, the center of town and there's we have a helipad here right on circuit so it is a great way to do it if you're ever going to um, do it uh, to come to Moto GP
3: well fire up the chopper Dave um, <laughs> this week this weekend looks to be huge at the Moto GP in phillip Island thank you so much for joining us Andrew we appreciate you coming in and giving us your insight and uh, we hope it's a really great event
0: no great uh great fun talking guys it will be a great event and uh, Jack Miller.
3: Absolutely. Jack, Jack, Jack. That's what I'll be shouting. Thanks, Andrew.
2: That was Andrew Westercott, CEO of Australian Grand Prix Corporation. You're listening to the bench on Joy. Another big show of the bench, number three down done and dusted, I guess, in the history books.
3: I'm excited because now I want to be a footballer, a soccer player, and I wanna ride a motorbike.
2: Oh, I tell you, right now, Valentino Rossi. I think he's just pushing forty years old at the moment. He's one of the legends of, the, of that Which sport.
3: Which is young?
2: Oh yeah, sorry, Beck. Um, but also hoping that he can win on the, the island this weekend. We did speak with about the uh, the big race on the island to Andrew Westercott, the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation.
3: We did. We spoke to the first ever AFLW father daughter selection, Abby McKay from Carlton. And we had Katie Lambeski, our W League expert, who's got me excited about soccer.
2: Yeah, you've got to learn that soccer is such a great sport. I, you know one of the reasons why I started loving um, soccer uh, was David Beckham. The name oh. that was very similar to mine, David Beckett. He was oh, yeah. a massive Manchester United player, one of the best in the world at that time. And that's how I started loving the game. And it was another guy called um, Peter Schmeichel, who was the oh. uh, a Danish international, who also was the goalkeeper for Manchester United.
3: You're not quite as handsome as David Beckham. Though, well, probably are you?
2: more actually. Oh. According to the fans, I reckon more. Um, well,
3: well, message in, let us know. We'll we'll read out the results next week. David Beckham v David Beckett. Now
2: this. There's a bit of a trend happening on the bench right now, and it's the Usain Bolt updates from you. Now, are you going to just keep updating Usain Bolt even if there's no news or even if he's yes, left Australia? Even if he never wants to play another sport in the world, will you continue to give us updates on Usain Bolt?
3: Yeah, I might just check his Instagram, see what he's had for brekkie.
2: Yeah, okay. Hmm. What did you have for brekkie this morning, Beck?
3: Um, I had muesli with yogurt. Thanks for asking, Dave.
2: I was doing research on the show and missed out. You're a
3: hero. You're an Australian hero, David.
2: (laughs) You can follow us on Twitter. That's where we drop our podcast week in, week out. It's The Bench on Joy. The Bench on Joy. The Bench on Joy. If we say
3: it over and over, you'll remember. It gives
2: gives people enough time to write it down, The Bench on Joy.
3: Send the podcast to your friends.
2: Yeah, exactly. Anyway, episode three is done and dusted.